We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep podcast. I'm Kane Pittman. I am joined by Ty Windish, as always, on a Friday afternoon. We are around two days, 52 hours uh, to be exact, from the start of free agency and what is going to be a big, maybe, few days, maybe a big week for the Bucks, certainly for the for the entire NBA. But uh, how are you doing today, Ty? I'm good. I'm hoping it doesn't drag on too long, but I'm worried it might. I mean, in 2016, KD took until July 4th, and one guy wouldn't, even KD, like if it was just him, it wouldn't matter that much. But the problem is so much of the the contracts, the quote-unquote smaller guys get depend on those big deals and and how the balance of power moves. I'm a little worried some, some of the big pieces might not fall into place for a little while, but hopefully... Things get sorted out relatively quickly, but I'm, I'm good. I'm enjoying the Friday, enjoying the nice weather after our brief monsoon yesterday. Yeah, we're getting that. Uh, we're getting a daily afternoon storm at the moment, which is, uh, you know, a little bit of fun. I think I'm going out to watch the U.S. Women's National Team game this afternoon outside somewhere. So we'll see if we can we can stay dry and watch that. But I will say, just touching on on what you said with with the fact that sometimes these things drag out a little bit, and they certainly do. And and I. I think that there's so many players on the market this year that uh, that's probably going to be the case. I mean, they're not all, all these uh, you know, pieces aren't just going to fall into place straight away. I will say that I think for the Bucks, uh, being you know in the situation that they are, and, and their major piece being Chris Middleton, I, I am kind of, and I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I am expecting that uh, the Middleton deal is going to be one of those ones that is, I was about to say a 12:01, but maybe a, a 501. Is it 6, 6, 6 Eastern, right? So 501 Central. Is it 6 Eastern? Yeah, for sure. Oh, whoops. I had my, my Sunday plan slightly wrong. But I agree with you, regardless of if I have the hour wrong or not, that, yeah, I think the Middleton one is going to be the easy one, uh, which is nice for the Bucks. Um, we'll see what the exact number is. I, I know I haven't seen a ton of reporting on this specifically, but I have seen somewhere that – Middleton was flexible and working with them a little bit. Am I am I hallucinating, or did that happen? No, there was some talk about that, and that and that, that surprised me a little bit um, because you know, as we've we've touched on a lot, and and just I mean, I'm sure everyone is aware of the situation with the Bucks with free agency, but obviously, uh, Chris Middleton, Brook Lopez, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, the restricted free agent, Nikola Mirotic, George Hill, uh, Pau Gasol, if you want to put him in there, just a bunch of guys that the Bucks need to try and tie up if they want to bring this team back. Um, there was some talk 
uh, and I'm not sure who reported that, that Middleton potentially may take a little bit less than a max uh, to stay in Milwaukee, which, you know, again, I mean, we've spoken about it a lot, but that's essentially just going to be a, a, a saving for the owners, not, not certainly not uh, going to reflect in any further cap space or, or give the Bucks any ability to, to sign other guys under the cap. That's not really uh, the way it's going to work because he's certainly not going to be taking less than the, the $19 million cap hold. So, uh, yeah, you're right. There has been some talk that Milton may uh, leave a few million dollars on the table, but uh, it's still going to be a significant amount of money that uh, I expect uh, we're going to hear about pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a lot like the last time, Chris. Not not in the amount, unfortunately, yeah. for the Bucks, but in terms of the deal being done quickly, in terms of Middleton not really going to meet with anyone else, I think it's it's pretty much a done deal at this point. We'll just see what the actual numbers and provisions and everything else are. Um, let's see. Should we should we do more on Middleton, or do you want to hop around a bit to the more interesting stuff? Because I agree with you. Everything I've seen, and I don't have any insider stuff here, but just every every single thing I've seen unanimously has been. Middleton is probably going to sign right away. I, I haven't seen him room, linked to any other teams or anything like that. So yeah, I, I just I don't think there's a ton of intrigue there aside from the dollar amount, and that I would guess will be near max. But I don't know if there's really that much use in speculating on that until we find out for sure. Yeah, I, I, I will just say I, I think it's interesting, and this is another uh, part of of when you look at how uh, the Bucks have grown as a franchise in the space of twelve months. Uh, I think that uh, Chris Middleton. You know, and there's still been a lot of debate, um, certainly, or endless debate, really, on, on whether you know, the Bucks should pay Chris Milton or what it should be. Um, you know, obviously, I've been pretty clear from the start that I, I think that he's such an important player to the Bucks at both ends. I think the Bucks need to keep him. I think they are a much worse uh, team next year. Like they take a big drop uh, if they lose Chris Milton. But it's just interesting at how confident we've all been this year that hey, Milton's going to stay because this isn't a situation where. The Bucks are, and you, you, if you want to argue that the Bucks are overpaying Chris Milton, that's totally fine. That's a different argument. But uh, the fact is that it's been reported all season long from you know some of the real top guys, whether it's Woj, Zach Lowe, whoever it may be, that Chris, there is teams out there that want Chris Milton and they are willing to pay him. Uh, and I just think that I, when I, I think back to where the Bucks were with Jason Kidd coaching, you know, floundering around that 500 mark first round playoff team. Uh, to, to now and this season where, again, you've got a guy that's that's really in demand around the league and people are willing to pay him, you know, uh, the, the exact same amount of money. Like the Bucks aren't paying, are paying overs to keep Chris Milton and, and not at any point really all season have we thought that Chris Milton was going to leave. And I, I just think, again, uh, when you when you think about how far the Bucks franchise has come, this is another little uh, you know, sign of, of that. That, that he could play in a big city. He could play anywhere, really. Uh, you know, there's five, five or six teams out there, whether it's Dallas. Um, obviously, Indiana's been a team that, that's been said to be chasing New York as a bunch of money. So there's obviously the Nets, the Lakers, all these teams. And uh, we just expect that he's just going to say, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool here. I'm playing next to Giannis. This team's going to be contending for a title. Uh, I just think it's, again, another tip of the hat to, to the franchise and how they've, they've turned this thing around. No, I absolutely agree. I think it's great, and I think, you know, this gets into something we'll talk about a little later, but depending on how things shake out in the rest of the conference, you know, I've seen, we've talked about this a lot, I know, but the sort of trepidation about just, quote-unquote, just running things back. I mean, if the Bucks reach 60 wins again and, and are as good as they they were at their peak and maybe they can raise their floor a little bit next season, that's a, a team that sure could contend for a title if not, at least the uh, the the Eastern Conference title. So, yeah, I think being able to for sure bring back a player as important as Chris Middleton to this team is a no brainer, and I'm glad that it it really seems like the Bucks have uh, feel the same way. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, it, when you talk about running uh, running it back, uh, one guy right now that I've said the whole time uh, that I think that this is going to be the most difficult one. This is going to be an interesting one, uh, and, and I just really didn't know what was going to happen. Is Malcolm Brogdon? Uh, there's been a lot of talk about him uh, this week in particular with um, you know, teams coming out of the woodwork, I guess, and, and thinking that, that Brogdon might be their, their backup plan or, or he might be the guy that uh, yeah, he wasn't, you know, maybe wasn't this team's first, first choice, but he's a very good player coming off an excellent season with the Bucks. 
so it, it looks like Malcolm Brogdon's price is just going to continue to rise uh, over, over the next few days. Yeah, it does. This one is becoming concerning now. I believe Brogdon's max is like 27-ish million. I still don't know if he gets that, but it is starting to seem like a team might bite on him for closer to that number than Milwaukee would want to reach. I saw the Suns, I think, today were interested. I think Dallas has been interested. Um, I think Boston, if, if they don't get Kemba Walker, was a team that reportedly was interested. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw Indiana at one point. So we're talking about a lot of teams, and I think part of the reason I'm more concerned is I think the Lakers were tied in there at some point. But, like, the Lakers I'm less concerned because they have so much else to deal with. I don't think Malcolm Brogdon would be their first priority. But all those other teams I mentioned, I mean, there's a chance that, you know, given that, let's say, D'Angelo Russell doesn't go to any of them, all of a sudden Brogdon could be pretty high on their list. Like, the Phoenix Suns aren't sitting here saying, oh, well, first we got to see where Kawhi goes and then maybe we can get KD. Like, no, if they can get Malcolm Brogdon, that's pretty good for their franchise. They need a point guard. They, they're not going to attract, you know, the absolute top tier of free agents, probably even the second tier, which would be guys more like Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris. All of a sudden, you look at Brogdon a lot differently. So I think if one of those teams does really have a keen interest in him, he probably will get a pretty sizable offer sheet. And then it, it could be tough for the Bucks to match because you're probably talking deep tax territory if you're paying Brogdon upwards of $20 million or, or much more than that. Yeah, and this is this is my real concern with Malcolm Brogdon because obviously a very good player, obviously a very important player. But I, I just like when I think, and again, you know, I talk about the the Bucks taking a step back if they lose Milton. I, I think that it certainly hurts them if they lose Brogdon. I think that the the step back that you take is significantly less um, with uh, if you do lose Brogdon, uh, and that's not a knock on him. But I, I just think when I when I go through the Bucks starting five. We know, obviously, uh, we're so good this season. Yeah, and uh, maybe you're going to disagree with me when I say this, but if you talk about defensive importance, Brogdon was the fifth. It was the fifth uh, most important defensively out of the five for mine. Uh, if you want to talk offensively, it was probably the the, the last guy again. Um, and that is says more about the other guys than it does Brogdon. I will say that. That's uh, again, that's not a knock on Brogdon, but if this is your fifth starter. Uh, I'm just, you know, there's so much talk out there about paying Chris Milton and is he number two? And it seems to me that the the general consensus or, or, or a, you know, certainly a big number uh, of Bucks fans out there are like, yeah, just pay Brogdon, whatever. Just like bring him back. You've got to bring him back. And I'm like, okay, but you're talking about a guy that's 27 years old already. And I know, I know, you know, Milton is around that age as well, but Brogdon's only a couple of years in the league. Obviously had... A long injury history, foot foot problems through college, uh, you know the, the quad the quad injury. Less worried about that. That seems like it was more of a one off and just you know, an unfortunate incident. But the foot stuff again this season and to miss that much time. Uh, this guy's got an old body. He's got an injury injury uh, prone uh, history, and I, I just would be really 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 concerned, particularly. And you think that, as you said, this is just this is just the owner's money, and it's not for us to care about the owner's money. Like you, they they got the money, like they can afford it. But when you talk about the ramifications of repeated tax and how this is going to continue to snowball as the years go on, I'm just not sure that I can sit here and say, yeah, I'd be cool with with giving Brogdon four years, 88 million, or four years, 90 million, or whatever it may be. The 22, 23 number for mine is very scary. Yeah, and I'm concerned potentially he could even reach more than that. Um, there's a lot of people who are comparing this to the summer of 2016 and that there's a decent amount of room uh, teams out there with cap space that may feel like they need to make some sort of a splashy signing and those splashy signings don't always work out as, as the Bucks personally have learned somehow. I think this is something that I, I'll see every once in a while and kind of forget, but Thank goodness Milwaukee was able to get off of that Miles Plumley contract so easily thanks to the Hornets because that would have been a bear to deal with. But um, luckily they were. I don't think the Bucks will make any horrible decisions like that this year because they don't really have you know the, the availability to. I mean, Brogdon, I guess, would be one of the few guys they could. I don't think Middleton's contract would ever be looked at like that. I don't think anyone else they'd be interested in bringing back would be able to command enough for it to be that much of a problem. But I, I do like what you said about the fifth starter thing with Brogdon. The, my one counterpoint would be 
that's true. You probably shouldn't pay your fifth starter $22 million a year. You do need to replace the things he brings, though. So I think – and that could, that could be two different players. And maybe that's players that are already on the roster. But uh, I think, personally, the the two most important things Brogdon brought – and I know everyone loves Brogdon's finishing. I do as well. I don't think that's as crucial. I think they need to find another guy who can be a 40% three-point shooter. I just think you need some of these shooters – with Snell and Brogdon gone, the Bucks lost both of their best ones by percentage from last year. So finding some guys who can really knock down triples and and stay on the floor. I mean, you don't want just one-dimensional players. They need to be able to at least hold their own defensively, but I think you need some shooters, and you need a backup point guard. I think Brogdon's he, – he obviously was in the starting lineup with Eric Bledsoe, but you know he could take over the one if Bledsoe was out or, or in minutes Bledsoe wasn't playing. And I think having another guy who can do that even if they're coming off the bench and not starting, it would be a, a nice, valuable thing for the Bucks. And yeah. it, maybe that guy is George Hill. Yeah, um, yeah. I I've, I want to touch on George Hill certainly um, as we go on. I and again, I the, I'm so torn on Brogdon about what I think the, you know the Bucks should do in this situation. And again, it's certainly not uh, me saying that I don't want to pay Malcolm because again, you're right. Yes, he is the fifth starter. No, I don't think he should get paid you know, that type of number. But again, as you say, uh, replacing all the things that he did. And, you know, one thing that you can't really, uh, you know, read or see on the on the box score, he's clutch, man. He, he hits big shots. And he, you know, with Middleton, certainly, those two are the guys that if they shoot late in the game, in a close game, I just feel like it's going to go in at, at any time, those two, those two shoot the ball. So... The Bucks would really miss Brogdon. I pro- I just this is something I've said certainly on this podcast before, but I, I probably just would not like to go above the Bledsoe number because I, I just thought when they gave Bledsoe that contract, that was setting the the I guess the bar for for what they were going to pay Brogdon. Uh, again, you know when he comes back in the playoffs and plays the way that he did. Uh, you know, in the conference finals when the Bucks, you know, didn't have many contributors, Malcolm certainly stepped up. Uh, that certainly has pushed his price up. When you're doing that in front of the whole league, uh, in front of the whole world, um, I, I guess that that's probably where it went up a little bit. But, I, you know, again, if for mine, if, if the Chicago Bulls come knock him and they want to pay him $22, 23000000 million a year, uh, I, think I'm, I think I'm walking away from that. And the tough thing about that is with Brogdon is that uh, – you know, again, you don't sign him, you're not getting any money. <laughs> this is like, you know, being the second round pick, I, I think his, his cap hold is around $3 million. So, uh, yeah, just to, just a touch over $3 million. So, um, again, the Bucks can obviously go over over the cap to uh, pay him. So it would be just a tax uh, number for the owners. Uh, and I'm not sure what their bar would be, but Brogdon's going to be an interesting one to watch. You would hope that, uh, the Bucks can get him back on a, on a relatively friendly deal, maybe $18 million. Certainly, I'd be okay with that. But uh, I, I don't think Brogdon's going to be uh, leaving any money on the table, given his injury history and, and given his age uh, being a little bit older, considering it's his first contract. It might be the only big payday he gets. So uh, he's certainly not going to leave any money on the table. I wouldn't have thought. I will just say, I did see the Lakers mentioned. Malcolm Brogdon is not going to play at, a, at an organization that has Jason Kidd involved. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> he is not going anywhere near that knucklehead because, I I mean, I've never – there was no player on the Bucks roster this year that would turn a question that had nothing to do about Jason Kidd into just shitting on Jason Kidd. Like Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon like, lived – the shitting on Jason Kidd. So he's not going to the Lakers. So that's one team you don't have to worry about. That might be his biggest contribution to the Bucs. And that, that's not to belittle his other contributions, but those quotes gave me life as a Jason Kidd is actually horrible. Please stop trying to redeem him, truther. Um, one more thing I want to throw at you before we get to obviously my forte is the, the ad read coming up. But it's in all seriousness, first, would you feel better about paying Brogdon a little more? If let's say in a in a subsequent move, the Bucks just t- traded away Eric Bledsoe for I don't know like a pick or something. Not not any player. They just offload him to some team that wants a point guard, get like a future bad first or something like that. So you're not paying Eric Bledsoe anything. Completely off the books. 
would you rather pay Brogdon like 18 million and not have Bledsoe, or would you rather pay Bledsoe the 15 and not have Brogdon? Well, this is the tough one because I I do I believe, and I'm not sure if you're going to agree with this, but I believe that the Bucks having Eric Bledsoe during the regular season is going to res- and I'm talking over Brogdon is going to result in the Bucks winning maybe five or six more games than they would if they just had Brogdon. I think the Bledsoe, the, the, the impact that he had and what he was able to do defensively against the, the top point guards in the league was incredible all season long. I don't think uh, Brogdon is, is capable of that um, defensively. Uh, I mean, I, I just don't think that he can. Uh, and again, I know I keep saying it, it's not knocking Brogdon. I mean, Bledsoe did some stuff to, defensively you know, in the pick and roll, getting over the screens that really no one in the league can do. He was that good. So I think that I would probably rather keep Bledsoe and let Brogdon go. But then the other, the other uh, I guess, side of the coin is the playoffs. And if you ask me who I would prefer in the playoffs, it's probably going to be Brogdon because Bledsoe two years in a row has been almost unplayable by the end of, by the time the Bucks got eliminated. So that's a tough question, but I, I think probably Bledsoe. I just think he he result uh, it result in the Bucks winning more games during the regular season. I think he's more influential and more important. Than Brogdon. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I'd really have to think about it, but I do think they could alleviate some of those sort of point of attack, point guard defense concerns, maybe play Brogdon at the one, but start someone like Sterling Brown next to him who could play more defense on point guards if you needed that. Uh, I think your point on the playoffs is good just because, you know, your biggest concerns are most likely going to be those big wing players who Bledsoe doesn't impact much anyway. And also he really wasn't able to do much about Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry anyway. So uh, it's tough. I mean, also he lost some minutes there just because of the the offensive end struggles. You know, I don't want to just sit here and, and rip on Bledsoe unnecessarily, but I, I would have to think about it a lot more than, you know, thinking about, well, you have to pay both guys and now Brogdon might command like 20 million or 22 million. I mean, I think it's, it's it's harder to stomach that I would say it, it's I don't know it's an interesting question but I, I see where you're coming from I'm not sure I'm there I'd have to think about it a lot more and because I don't think it's a very likely thing at all I just really haven't thought about it that much. Yeah, I, I would not. I, I'm not expecting that the Bucks are going to trade Bledsoe unless uh, you know something you know he comes out of the gates rough uh, in in the season. Obviously, they can't trade him till September anyway, but. I yeah, it would have to be a, a really rough start to the season for Bledsoe for mine if they were going to trade him. And then if he does have a rough start to the season, then you'd have to wonder after the playoffs what you can actually trade him for. Anyway, I, I'm not sure whether the market would really be there. So I'm expecting Bledsoe's going to be around. I hope both guys are around. <laughs> that's that would that's the perfect scenario. But it, it Brogdon really, yeah. It, I mean, this is the one for mine. This is going to be really interesting to see. This is one that's going to take a little bit longer just because. Um, you know, the, the fact that it is restricted at some point, he's probably going to sign an offer sheet somewhere else. And the Bucks will have the three days, uh, I think it's still three days for them to, to match. So, um, uh, while we spoke about Middleton being one that was that was going to be really quick, uh, I think that Brogdon obviously is going to take uh, quite a, a bit longer, maybe a week or, or even more. So, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Brogdon. I'm sure there'll be plenty of more rumors. And once teams do start to maybe miss out on some of their, their top targets, then, you know, the market's maybe going to get a little bit more desperate. And I, I'm just, as we're recording, I've seen that the Kings are expecting to sign Harrison Barnes to, to a four-year, $88 million deal. Oh, my goodness. So uh, you, you want to talk about teams having money and throwing money around? It's already looks like, uh, you know, we're going to be starting to get some some crazy deals like that. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's the Kings with... Don't expect, don't expect much less from them. But uh, it's going to be a wild, wild few days. But uh, I, I guess the other real big one uh, would be uh, Brooke Lopez. Um, I, I, I don't know if you want to kick the, the discussion off with Lopez, but again, a, a guy that we're starting to see as we get closer to Sunday and, and the start of free agency, some teams are starting to come out of the woodwork and really are interested in, in acquiring the services of, of Brooke. Yeah, they are. And, and you know, I'll, I'll share my Brooke thoughts in a second. But, you know, just thinking back to Brogdon, talking about, you know, his health. I mean, it's just a fact that, that guys, NBA players or not, are, are terrible at taking care of their health, Kane. 
whether it's a knee injury, bad back, maybe a foot, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than asking a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it, which is a shame. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, of course, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything else online, or everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. It's quick and it's low-key. Guys, go talk to the doctor. ED can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. All you have to do is go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get your free online visit and free two-day shipping. One more time for all the folks in the back trying to write this down as I speak, hopefully not while driving. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. And then, of course, need to shout out Harry's to make sure all our listeners are shaving comfortably. I personally use Harry's razors. Haven't even taken advantage of this offer yet. I probably will soon because all you have to do is go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set. And this includes the five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, the rich lathering shave gel, and the travel blade cover. All of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Throw out those cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's, especially for this price. They fix shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades, and it's all at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and over-designed. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for more than 95 years. You too can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. Hit it up. Get that razor trial set for just three bucks. Well, uh, I just want to say uh, for the listeners that Ty does do all uh, the ad reads, and that's a combination of me um, not thinking I'm very good at ad reads and Ty really, really enjoying ad reads. So uh, he really uh, thrives on on, uh, on bringing those ad reads. So you did another great job done by you today. Thank you. I, I always appreciate the praise on my craft, but let's get to Brooke Lopez. Um, yeah, I will say uh, the you know just on the back of that ad read, I, I don't think there'll be any male uh, Buck fans with uh, ED of the Buck can sign uh, Brooke Lopez to to, 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 to <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh man, that that might be our best work yet on the podcast. Um, so here's the thing. Here's the Brooke Lopez thing, right? So all that matters for the Bucks signing Brooke Lopez is how much they will need in that first year to get him because they need to use cap space for the first year because they don't have his rights. They don't have his bird rights. Uh, they have his non-bird rights, which are complicated and not that useful. So all that matters is the cap space they can open up right now with the hold for Chris Middleton and anyone else they want to keep around because they need that. So right now, if you assume George Hill is waived for $1 million, which for sure happens, even if the Bucks keep him, and I'm I'm just going to go ahead and, and get rid of Nikola Mirotic's cap hold. I don't, I don't think he's going to stick around. Uh, see, here's one thing that interests me a little bit. I think the Bucks would actually want to, renounce Brooke Lopez in making this deal? Or maybe they don't have to. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but since they're signing him in a space anyway, they don't really need his rights. Um, but so anyway, right now, just with Waving Hill, uh, renouncing Miritich and not counting Lopez's own cap hold, it's about 12 million, 12.6, I think, million. Uh, it's about eight some million with Brooke's cap hold. But again, I don't think they need that since they're signing him as if he weren't their free agent anyway. So, Kane, I guess my first question to you is, do you think that's enough money? I do. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be tight. I, I think the big thing is that 
um, uh, you know, I, I think the big thing is that Brooke wants to be here. And I, I genuinely believe that, um, you know, just from watching him and being able to, you know, be fortunate enough to be in the locker room and around these guys, probably the most popular player on the team. Uh, and, and certainly uh, the most, uh, the fun guys for us to talk to. I mean, he, he just really genuinely loved his time in Milwaukee. So I, I have thought that if the difference is only a million or two or a couple million dollars that, that he would sign in Milwaukee. That, that's what I, I've sort of held on to. I think that the Bucks would probably have an idea right now of what Brooke wants, uh, what it's going to take. And I'm sure things can change if all of a sudden some team comes out and wants to give him $20 million. But I do think that the Bucks would know the number that they need. And I think that depending on what that is, that is what's going to determine. And I know you want to talk about it, whether the Bucks stretch John Lua or whatever happens with, with that deal there. Because, uh, you know, as we sort of touched on on the, the post-draft uh, podcast, Bucks can get another, you know, approximately six million dollars uh, if they do stretch a little. And then you really, I mean, they, I, for mine, if they went down that path, no matter what happens, I, I thought if you get if you get around that eighteen million dollar, nineteen million dollar uh, space uh, that was reported from uh, by Bobby Marks ESPN, then you, I thought that you got an easily enough room to to sign Lopez and and Hill uh, with cap space. So uh, I think that. Brooke Lopez is probably going to be the one that determines that. And I'm sure it's not that simple, but to me, uh, they need to get this guy back and they're, they're probably going to do whatever they can to, or whatever they uh, can possibly do to make that happen. I agree. I'm just, I'm on team never stretch. I'm not going to talk about it too much because I think it's something a lot of people don't get that passionate about, but I just think it's never good to, in a general sense to just kick your problems down the road like a can. This sounds like the intro to an ad read. It's it's not, but I, I just don't like it because it ends up biting you later. I mean, all the time, Bucks fans are gonna lament the fact that you know there's a little less cap room this year because of Spencer Hawes and Larry Sanders, and oh, they have all this dead money. And then the same Bucks fans are gonna say, oh, but we can stretch lure and then open up a little more room. And it's like, well, when you do that, that's when you have less money later. And all of a sudden, the Bucks are gonna owe another. They they're still gonna pay Larry Sanders next year regardless. So then you add lure to that. Here's one thing I think is interesting, uh, and the reason I wanted to touch on this. So Pat Connaughton and Sterling Brown both have non-guaranteed contracts for next season. They're free agents the year after that. I think, according to Cleaning the Glass here, Pat sees at, uh, at $1.7 million and Sterling Brown's at $1.6 million. So obviously the Bucks want to keep probably both of those guys, I would assume. Uh, they're both valuable players. They're both... You know, especially if Brogdon leaves, going to fill a lot of those minutes that he would play. But, and this is not something I've checked with any of my, you know, other cap friends with. I'll probably run it by uh, Jeff Siegel later because he's the, the go-to even for me on, on the stuff I don't know about. But the minimum salary this year, and it'll be higher next year because the cap is going up, for a player with two years of experience, which Sterling Brown has, was $1.5 million. So, a hundred thousand less than what he's slated to make, and again, it's going to be a higher amount than that because the cap goes up, so the minimums will but two. And Pat C with four years of experience, his minimum was one point six. Again, that's actually what he was slated to make. Sterling was slated to make one point, or no, that's a hundred thousand less than Sterling was slated to make two. So, I don't think if their contracts are wholly unguaranteed, which I believe they are, I don't think there's anything that would stop the Bucks from sort of making an agreement with those two, saying, "Hey." We're going to release you to get off this extra roughly $3.3 million and then just sign you back to a minimum for basically the same amount after we do our other business. I mean, teams do this sort of doing things, all the moves in precisely the right order a lot. It's exactly why the, the Lakers had to add the Wizards into this trade. You know, they need to sign a max guy first and then execute this trade and the, the, now they can salary match Anthony Davis, etc. I mean, teams do this. They, they slot out their moves in advance and then execute them. So I'm starting to wonder if the Bucks could reach some of that same cap room they, they would stretch Lure to get if they worked out a deal like this. And not entirely uncommon. I think the Lakers are planning to try and bring back Alex Caruso, even though they're going to get rid of his cap hit to, to make their deal work here. 
I don't know. It's it's not a guarantee. It's not something that I'm, I'm but I'm entirely sold on. But I'm pretty sure if those guys are entirely non guaranteed, you could basically match their money with minimum deals this next year, and then open up the three point three in room in the meantime to use on Lopez and Hill. Yeah, I mean the problem with that is, I mean you, you're talking about around six million dollars this year for law, and you're not. I mean, you know, even if you wanted to do that. Uh, it's it's I mean it's pennies really isn't it like uh, that you you would have to I don't know you would have to do some some crazy stuff that I'm sure they've, they've thought about but the other thing is I also just think for the for the Bucks if you want to look at the the problems with with the cap uh, or some of the deals that the Bucks have had when I when I go through the sheet and and you talk about uh, contenders needing often veterans to play for the veteran minimum or, or whatever it may be. When you look at the Bucks roster and you look at guys that you expect are going to be in the rotation, DJ Wilson, uh, under $3 million, DiVincenzo, under $3 million, and as you said, Connaughton and Sterling Brown. I mean, these are four guys that are going to pro- that I expect are going to play big minutes uh, in the upcoming regular season, and they're all on deals for less than $3 million. So, uh, you know, from, from that regard, uh, the Bucks have got some, some young, uh, you know, Good contracts, good assets that uh, that are really contributing to the team. So, I, I don't know. I mean, if I, I look, if the Bucks could find a way to sign Lopez, uh, you know, with, without stretching law, then I'm all for that. That's great. You know, I I, I don't really care. Um, you know, as I've said before about the the tax or whatever it may be. I mean, you just don't want to be priced out from from Book Lopez, and I would be willing to stretch John Bullard to to make sure Lopez stays around because the you know whatever you know, the $3 million that you would have for the next three seasons. Yeah, that's going to be annoying, but you're also just going to be much worse if you lose Brook Lopez. So, uh, and I, I see a bunch of people in, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, but can we please stop talking about Frank Kaminsky because <laughs> he's just not good. Like you can hit threes, fine, but you, you can't, if the Bucks lose Brook Lopez, like Frank Kaminsky is, He's not going to replace Brook Lopez. I, I understand whatever. He had a great run. I watched that Badgers team. They were great. They were fun. But I do not want him playing for the Bucks unless it's on a on the cheapest deal possible and he's you know the fourteenth or fifteenth man on the roster. I mean, he's if he yeah, he, he can't be in this in this Bucks. This Bucks team's too good for Frank Kaminsky to be in the rotation. He could hardly play for Charlotte. Let's uh, let's be real about that. Yeah, I I don't. I've never been a fan of of that one. Uh, <laughs> To, to put it mildly, I'm just doing a quick little projection here to see what the tax would be like. So just placeholder number is signed. Brooke Lopez to $8 million deal. And then George Hill to a $5 million deal. And then we'll re-sign. What is Chris's max? Like, what's it, like $35 million something? Yeah, that's what the, they were talking for around approximately that for the first year. So if you uh, if you slot him in at that and those deals, like I said, to Brook and Solomon Hill, and it's um, it's taking me a second to read the numbers because for whatever reason the, this cap calculator, I can't re-sign teams of I can't re-sign guys I've waived and they're not available as free agents. So on my screen it says Robin Lopez and Solomon Hill, but imagine it's Brook Lopez and George Hill. Uh, the, the other team with those guys, uh, Robin and Solomon's a little worse. But you're talking about 14 million over the cap at that point, but with 12 million in space until the luxury tax. Uh, there's probably I don't think the first round pick cap. Oh no, there is no pick. What am I saying? So yeah, that's not a concern, and that's with Brogdon's uh, hold still. So that's three million. So at that point, if you resign Brogdon, you're for sure in the tax. But if Brogdon walks, and you bring those guys back, I mean, you're a solid twelve million away still with Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, Lures full amount still. I, I don't know if he'd be waived or what then. Uh, Brooke Lopez at eight million, Urson, George Hill at five million, DJ, Dante, Petsy, and Sterling. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve guys, twelve million. Really easy to fill out the roster there and stay below the luxury tax this year, I would think, if Malcolm Brogdon indeed gets too big of an offer to keep. But if you keep him at a big number, then you're pretty easily going to be within that luxury tax area. Yeah, and uh, again, look, I, I do think, and there's been a lot of talk from Bucks fans that the owners are, are trying to be cheap. I understand why that might be the case. I, I do think that they, and it is obviously John Horst as well, is trying to figure out a way, if they could somehow stay out of the tax this year, somehow, and I, I don't think they're going to be able to, but if they could, then they put themselves obviously in a better position moving forward because you know this stuff does start to get 
uh, pretty nasty uh, pretty quickly uh, when you start going into the tax for multiple years. But again, uh, you know, I was, I was reading some some uh, numbers or, or a story on the luxury tax the other day, and basically, if if you want to contend for for titles year on year out, you're going to have to pay the tax. I mean, that's just the way that things are these days. You're going to have to pay a whole bunch of money to do it. And listen, they're making a whole heap of money from the Bucks selling out five set forum every single game, so I, I think they're going to be just fine. But uh, who else we got? What have we got? George Hill. So we can, we can just quickly we'll touch on these last guys. We're going on for a little. We're rambling on for a little bit here. But George Hill is an interesting one. I, again, he was another guy that said he really wants to be back. Uh, said that his season was was the most enjoyable one of his career. Uh, the Bucks, as you said, he's got an eighteen million dollar deal that the Bucks will waive. So the Bucks will eat one million dollars for that, uh, the guarantee. But I expect that. Uh, you know he will be back um, on a on a cheaper deal. Now it's interesting. I mean, George Hill in the playoffs obviously uh, had an incredible playoffs. Averaged eleven point five points, uh, for, just a touch under four rebounds, touch under three assists, uh, in twenty six minutes per game. But the big thing was when the Bucks couldn't hit a three, George Hill just continued to knock them down forty two percent. Uh, in the playoffs for for George, so yeah, obviously it became you know, such a crucial player for the Bucks through the playoffs. Uh, I do think that there's going to be a way that the Bucks are going to sign him for a really cheap deal, and maybe in the in the area of what they got Brook Lopez for last year. Uh, I guess again, it just depends uh, how much is the team willing to to pay George Hill, and I'm not really sure what the market is for Hill because I, I, he wants to play in a contender. Uh, I'm not sure there's many contenders out there that are going to have big dollars to pay George Hill. No, I don't think so either. Um, I'm kind of glad it didn't seem like his stint with uh, with LeBron and the Cavs was exceptional for either of them. You know, he would be a guy I'd worry about potentially going to L.A. as well. But uh, I don't think it seems like they were the absolute best of friends there, which is good. Um, and he was on the 2016 team, so that helps as well. Yeah, I, I would hope. I mean, if he's obtainable for less, I mean, then you might not even need cap space. I mean, the Bucks will have some exceptions for a small amount still. They could potentially use one of those on George Hill. Um, again, and this is, I mean, just to not to harp on this other possibility too much, but just the Pat C and Sterling wave and resign thing, basically the exact same, the exact thing that's going to happen with George Hill. I mean, it's, I think the players and their, certainly their agents understand that. You know, a lot of this stuff is more cap formality than actually wanting to waive a guy. It's just something that they have to do. Um, so I, I'm sure even if the Bucks, for some, like, I won't say for some reason, but like if the Bucks want to keep Urson for next year, the, or the year after next, excuse me, he's going to get waived and renegotiated anyway. I don't think the Bucks will want to pay him $7 million again uh, for the 2021 season. But, yeah, certainly I think Hill would be a crucial contributor, I think. Maybe a, a starter at times. I, I don't know if I hate the idea of him starting next to Bledsoe if his shot's going to be falling. It wasn't in the regular season, but obviously in the playoffs and in seasons past, George Hill has been a, just a fine shooter. So maybe he could be a, a two-guard at times even if you don't want to throw Sterling into it right away or DJ or someone like that, or maybe just depending on the matchup. So a lot of possibilities. At the very least, a very steady, consistent veteran guy is your sixth man who you know can bring that backup point guard role that I, I mentioned earlier, I think it's a no-brainer if, if he's willing to take a small deal that the Bucks can easily afford and, you know, maybe they don't even have to stretch lure, even if they do, you know, that if, if he's willing to take that, you know, I, I think you almost have to and then go from there. Yeah, you touched on the three-point shooting for Hill. Uh, he only played 13 games for the Cavs to start the season, but he was shooting 47% from three uh, and then came to the Bucks and, and shot 28% during the regular season. But, but a 38% uh, three-point shooter over the course of his career, and, and obviously just being a, a you know a really really good defensive player and just a good guy in the locker room as well. I think that's important that the Bucks continue uh, to bring these guys back who really get along. George Hill I, through the season, uh, when he first came, I noticed that uh, he he seemed and again this is just my from what I, I I've seen he seemed like he was just keeping to himself a little bit, uh, probably filling out you know the locker room and, and getting to know the guys. As the season wore on, I mean, he really became a, a popular member of the locker room. He, he was in there all the time, you know, and, uh, talking, talking trash to guys, giving Giannis, um, you know, a, a bit of 
uh, and trash talk about whatever, about what he was wearing, what was happening. George Hill really became a, a favorite in locker room, obviously got along really well with Pat Connaughton. So it is uh, yeah, going to be interesting to see. I think when he was on that Cavs team, George Hill was a little bit of an afterthought at, at that point. 32 years old, he's 33 now. Uh, and then obviously, you know, after having such a, a, a great postseason, I guess he's back on the radar for, for a lot of contending teams. I, I will say that, you know, you touched on potentially starting him. The fact that he is 33 and, and you know, uh, going to be pushing 34 by the time next this season is done next year, I, I think that he is a guy that you're going to want to try and manage through the regular season and, and, and get him uh, to the playoffs in, in prime form like he was this year. Obviously, he had some... Uh, some hip issues, adductor issues, but uh, he was just in really good shape when the playoffs came and it allowed him to play in, in big moments. And I think that uh, is what you would be hoping for with Hill. But a guy that I really hope is back, a guy that I think the Bucks should be able to manage uh, something with him uh, one way or the other uh, to bring a, a key guy back. And really now, the only one we have left is Miritich. And uh, I do think, uh, we and we've, we've spoke about him a lot on a previous podcast, so we probably don't need to go too deep, but... Yeah, Miritich is a guy that obviously really struggled in the playoffs to, to shoot the ball. 19% in the Eastern Conference Finals from three, ended up not even playing in game six. But he's a, he's a big guy, uh, you know, 6'10", shoots a three really, really well. Uh, he's a guy that I think there is going to be demand for. Yeah, and I think if, if there's any real demand for it outside of Milwaukee, he's gone. I mean, it's just the way the playoffs went and ended, uh, the way – the fact that you know he he probably as well would put you in the luxury tax makes it harder to do anything else. And really, the thing with him that is unlike Brogdon is his cap hold is big, uh, eighteen point eight million. So as long as that's on the books, it's seriously harder to do everything else. I mean, almost impossible. I want to say to do the the a nice Brook Lopez move if you rely if you count on Miritich's cap hold. So. Quickly, I'm just going to sort of undo everything else here and just keep Meritich's cap hold and see where we're at. But it's going to be a number where, I mean, you have to keep Chris's cap hold. Uh, that's the only way you can re-sign him. So that's that's obviously going to happen. So uh, wave George Hill. Uh, everybody else pretty much stays. Yeah, you're at minus $5 million already just with Middleton, Miritich, and Malcolm's cap hold. And since his is so tiny, it doesn't really help you any. So, yeah, if you're going to re-sign Brooke Lopez, do all this other stuff, you basically need to rely on that cap hold not being there. And then if, that, if you renounce Miritich, then you, you can't go over the cap to keep him without using a different exception, and that's obviously going to be a, a no-go. So, yeah, I think it's very safe to say, unless for some reason there's literally no market or he wants to take an extraordinarily small deal, he's probably going to be gone. Yeah, I mean, Miritich is at that, that age as well where if he gets some money put on the table, then I'm pretty sure he's going to take it. Um, Again, we, we spoke a little bit about it, but uh, I do think the Bucks with with a guy like DJ Wilson is obviously someone uh, that that they do like a lot. Um, certainly, you know when they got to the playoffs, maybe they were they didn't you know trust his lack of experience. I guess even though it would have been nice to see him play when things started to go uh, downhill for the Bucks, but um, I, I do think that that as I said, Wilson's going to be a guy that they trust to play minutes during the regular season. I'm sure they would love to have Miritich back, but I do think that he is the odd man out uh, in all of this, that it's going to be tough to get him back. I just think he, I can see him getting a you know, $15 million deal or something somewhere else multiple years, and I just don't think that's... I mean, the Bucs can't, can't, can't work that out. I, I don't know how they can, um, unless, again, they want to be paying major, major dollars uh, on the tax. But... But even if they did want to do that, it, it costs you Brooke Lopez, basically. And I just don't think that's going to be worthwhile to the Bucks, even if they did want to pay the tax. So I hope people don't jump immediately and say that, oh, you know, they're being cheap if they don't want to do this or whatever. Like, let's say you stretch uh, Lure, which gives me hives, renowned Brogdon, and then you also waive Pat C and Sterling Brown, you reach a grand total of $3.9 million in cap space. With Miritich and Middleton's cap hold, everything else that you can really do besides just trading guys away for nothing is done. I, I don't know if that's enough to keep, to keep uh, Brooke Lopez. I highly doubt it if he gets a real offer from anywhere else. I mean, I'm sure he wants to be here, but if you're talking less than $4 million and some other team is offering double that, that, that's tough. So I just think, you know, it's not just like, do they want to pay for Miritich? It's also, do you not want to have any real usable cap space? And 
pay Miritich and potentially hit the tax. And I think at that point, the answer becomes pretty, pretty easy, pretty obvious. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And and again, uh, like I said, I, I think there will be suitors for Miritich anyway. So uh, I think he's going to get paid. I, I think with Lopez, just as you brought him up again, certainly uh, there's some teams that are that apparently are really interested. The Lakers being one, which is uh, kind of funny because uh, I, I can't, again, I can't really see Lopez. And of course, money talks, but I, I certainly cannot see Lopez uh, you know, I don't know where the, the Lakers are going to be if they, they get another uh, max guy. They, they're not going to have much cap space. And, uh, none, it, literally none. So there's no, uh, you know, I, I can't see Lopez saying, oh, really? Uh, you didn't even want to pay me $3 million uh, last year? Yeah, I'll come back to you for for much less than I can get elsewhere. So I, I don't think I don't think the Lakers are going to be in the mix for, for Brook Lopez either. But it's going to be interesting. As I said, uh, just over two days till free agency starts, uh, like I said, I think you can expect a Middleton announcement pretty quickly, potentially Brook Lopez as well. I'm expecting to be a, a relatively quick one if he is staying in Milwaukee. Uh, then with Brogdon, Miritich and Hill, we'll wait and see what happens over the few days. But uh, I was going to touch on some other stuff in the East and, and what's happening there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, there's just too much to talk about. The Bucks have got too much happening uh, with free agency. So I think we should probably wrap it up. But uh we'll, I, I i guess we'll, we'll be back as the deals come as the deals come through we'll we'll uh we'll bring you another podcast and wrap up everything that's happening uh with the bucks did you have any last thoughts there ty no my thoughts are all extinguished i mean yeah we'll be back early next week probably maybe sunday maybe monday around there with the the talk about what actually ends up happening but until then uh nothing to do but wildly speculate and post uh ridiculous theories and which is Certainly what Twitter is doing in the meantime. Yeah, and uh, make uh, erectile dysfunction jokes, I guess, which is um, obviously not a funny topic, but I threw that in there and uh, I don't regret it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we have no reason to. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you, Kane, as always, for your time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, everything else. Check out our great sponsors, Roman and uh, Harry's, and uh, we will catch you guys next time here at the Eurostep. Step.